This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi everyone, I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, your host with Thank You Heartbreak, and I am back. And so are you. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you've been here before. Maybe you've listened to me before. Or maybe this is your first time and your first experience with me. If so, thank you for being here and... I'll tell you what we're about to do. We're going to do another advice column, response, letter. I have a letter. And I'll tell you that what I've seen so far is I think episode, what was it? Episode five, which was uh, the first advice column and, and response, the first letter I responded to, did really well. So maybe that's more of what you guys want. I'm just kind of going off of, of what I see And what I see is that there was definite interest in that. I also know because I've been receiving a lot in my inbox is letters and response to an advice column. And, you know, I've never done this before. I know other people do it. And who knows, maybe I'll start. But, you know, when you screen capture, screenshot um, a response that you've received from someone, and, you know, sometimes it's kind of braggadocious. um, It kind of legitimizes you. And I wish I could share some, not because it legitimizes me or because I want to brag, but really because I want you guys, and I just wish you could read the responses that I receive because the responses are so personal about the person. Reading my advice, hearing my advice really opens people to being really, really honest and really going there about their experiences. And another reason I wish I could share it with you is There's an overwhelming amount of men that reach out to me. And when I started as a breakup coach, I originally just wanted to work with men. I'd always been told that I really disarmed men and made them feel very comfortable. And I love being in communication and in conversation with men. And and I actually feel very empowered and alive and very seen when I talk to men. I feel like I'm able to go deep with them easily. But I remember like people, you know, friends, just saying to me, no, no man would reach out to a breakup coach or, you know, they would kind of stereotype the sort of guy. Basically, they didn't think any straight guys would reach out to me. And I never bought into this just on a intuitive level and knowing myself and really just feeling like I know men. I didn't believe that. And, and I'm glad that I didn't budge. I know that there's a, it's kind of popular right now to have female-only businesses, which is interesting to me because it's also a time where we're all about being inclusive, and yet we have so many female-only businesses. Just to me, it's kind of like isolating more people. So I'm happy that I didn't decide to do that, even though with heartbreak and relationship talks, it would have been you know, really easy and, and perhaps even smart to be a woman-only brand and platform. I haven't done that, and I also haven't 
I haven't like blasted it either way and it's been really incredible to have the responses from men like I do. Just, I'm not going to share any screenshots yet, but believe me when I say that there are so many remarkable men in this world that are thinking so much about the women in their life, that are thinking so much about the pursuit, that are thinking so much about how they can make a woman comfortable and not go too far, like really to respect where that woman is in their life and whether they are actually ready for them. On that note, let's just get right into the letter that I received. Dear Chelsea, my question is, how do I know I'm in the devalue discard phase of a relationship? I feel like I'm the one who constantly prioritizes his feelings while mine are considered unreasonable. For example, my mom wants me and my daughter to go visit my sister six hours away where I used to live when I was at the worst point in my life. Instead of recognizing that and wanting to support me, He does not want to go because he knows he'll be bored. Writing this all out, I feel so stupid. Like, of course he doesn't want me. We've been together for almost five years and have a three-year-old. I'm just holding on, waiting for him to discard me, I guess. Is it hopeless? Thank you so much for reading this far. For reading this far. Sincerely, discardable. I I tripped up on that last line. Thank you so much for reading this far because I kind of forgot that it was coming. And also I'm always like really thrown off guard when people thank me for even reading it. I get that all the time. Like, or when I respond to someone, they're always like, oh my God, thank you so much for responding. I never expected you to respond. I'm really shocked right now. It's like, are you kidding me? Who would I be not to respond Alrighty, enough yapping from me. Let's just get to my answer. You're discardable, question mark. I'm going to throw a question mark behind discardable because do we even really know that you're discardable yet? We're going to find out. Dear discardable, question mark. To answer your question, I think there's only two ways of really knowing whether you're in the devalue, discard phase of a relationship. And that's to ask your partner and trust whatever he tells you, or to decide for yourself. The second option always seems to wind up being the last best option, but really it's the most empowering of the two. We should start with it. Especially at a time when you feel so overlooked and therein out of control, deciding for yourself whether this relationship is one you want to discard and can no longer value is worth asking yourself. Making that choice for yourself is going to elevate you above the torture of your current circumstances. If you want to remain in a state of semi-passivity where you think and even allow your partner alone to determine whether this relationship is on or off, you will spiral downward. Spiral, spiral, spiral. It's a weird word to say, but you will spiral downward because you will always suspect and fear that you are waiting for the inevitable. Your letter already sounds like you're waiting for the inevitable. I can't even say that word. The inevitable. I can hear it. I can hear it. I feel like you're waiting for this just to happen to you. Instead of waiting, though, how about you take just a few steps forward and meet your partner halfway? Ask him how he feels five years into your relationship. Ask him how his feelings have changed, how maybe his commitment has even changed. Ask him whether he feels like becoming parents has changed the quality of your relationship or even just the focus of it, for better or worse. 
You don't have to sound like you're cross-examining him either. You can say that you've seen other relationships lose their spark once children come along. You can say you're afraid of that, that you don't want to just be another passionless relationship. You can talk about starting a family with him because you loved him, or you don't even have to bring love into it. You can just start with the vision you had for the two of you. The vision and maybe even the expectations you had for you as a couple and as a family. And how anything short of that scares the shit out of you and makes you feel, yes, discardable. Let him flinch at that word. And if it's an accurate feeling, let him own it. Let him not just show you what it looks like to devalue a loved one. Let him say that's exactly what he's doing to you himself. Let him become totally aware of his own affect and effect. If he's a fine enough man, he'll feel remorseful or at the very least compassionate about how alone you feel right now. The first thought or really visual I had upon reading your letter was an ex-boyfriend of mine sitting in a blow-up pool in the middle of May with a beer in his hand. He had just flown back home early for really, really important reasons and business. Instead of staying that one extra day to see me walk down the aisle, I call it an aisle, I guess it was really a stage, to receive my master's degree. Something I was literally crawling my way to lifelessly. It wouldn't have hurt to have his applause that day, I'm not gonna lie. Instead, he left the day before my big moment and called me from that stupid blow-up pool. I wanted to push my entire hand through my phone screen and snap his neck with it. No joke, I felt so lonely in that moment and so hateful. How could he not know how disrespectful, how flippant he was being? How much he was minimizing my moment. More than anything, how could he not know how much I needed him right then? We had a lot of moments like that. Moments when he'd fall off the face of the earth when either the spotlight was on me or when I was dealing with the excruciating unknown, like my twin sister entering into rehab. Poof, he'd be gone. This guy looked harmless though. And in retrospect, he was probably pretty harmless too. No, not probably. I mean, definitely. He just became so evil to me because of all the tension that built up, all the letdown. I've got to tell you though, two things that would have saved me from this little fiasco that became three and a half years of my life is when he first fled the scene, which was actually the first trip he made out to see me and our second trip together. I mean, this was early, early, early on the quote unquote honeymoon phase. He booked a flight in the middle of the night and took off while I was sleeping because he didn't think I was attracted to him anymore. I wasn't touching him enough. In fact, I was just really, really tired from 14 hours on set. And when I woke up in the morning, I was so hysterical that once I finally made it to set, I was fired from set because I was so hysterical, but I digress. When he called me hysterical after he had got off his plane and was begging for me back, you know what I could have done? I could have been like, nah, that was a bit too much for me. I don't want to sign up for this. I could have done that then, and I certainly could have done it in any of the other several moments over the course of years where I felt so discarded and devalued. I could have simply made the decision that I'm encouraging you to consider, and that is that I didn't value the way he was showing up for me in life. And because of his value, not mine, it was in my best interest to discard the relationship. Those are some brash words, but I'm using them because they're yours. You see, we show ourselves love when we call the shots and not wait for them to be called on us. 
I actually think this letter and this circumstance would benefit from coaching because there's just so much here that's not being said. Like, I'm sure there's been many more moments leading up to this one where your partner says, count them out. I think you could benefit from fleshing these moments out and even grieving the moments that you felt like you were losing someone. And also saying a little bit more about your mom's intentions. What does she think about you visiting a place where you were at your worst? Is she encouraging it because she thinks you need to face your fears? Does she think that having your daughter there will protect you from any of the negative feelings you have experienced there before? Does she even realize what you felt all those years ago? What about having your sister there? Does that make you feel more comforted or not? If not, why is it that you feel that no one other than this man can comfort you in this moment? And is that even true? Would having him with you really soothe you to the degree that you imagine or even hope it will? Or will it just take the edge off since at least you won't be there thinking about how in addition to you revisiting a place where you were once wounded in, you are also in a relationship where you feel wounded? Does it scare you to go back because you feel like maybe you haven't come far enough? Like maybe it's not the environment so much as the emotions you bring with you to it? Are you scared to go back because not enough has changed within you yet? These are some of the questions I'd have for you. When I think about this some more though, I also think it's worth mentioning that sometimes when we're dating, we put an enormous amount of pressure on someone to show up for us. I know I did that, especially because I was in long distance relationships where neither my boyfriend nor I had to be or could ever be there much for each other. So when we actually were or had the opportunity to be, but decided against it, it felt even more personal. In retrospect though, I wonder if I wasn't putting too much pressure on someone else to show up for me. And I wonder if I wasn't doing it because that's what I thought an ideal and respectful relationship looked like. Like, it wasn't actually that, but rather because I was so lonely and so crippled that I needed a boyfriend to show up for me to overshadow or distract me from how I wasn't able to show up for myself. You know, maybe I wanted him there to try and compensate for it, as if that would be the magical cure. Essentially, the question is, was I looking to my partners too much to be a crutch? And how did that ultimately cripple me even more? I have to tell you, I believe it tanked me. When I think of a life partner, though, I think you've got to remember that you are creating a life. Not just a moment, a life. Maybe your significant other can't show up for you in this moment. But does that really mean he won't show up for you in any moment? Make sure you don't jump to conclusions. Remember, it's a life you are creating and more than just this one moment when you go to see your sister. With that said, you also want to make sure you like the person you are creating your life with. That's an important question. Do you like him as a person? Not whether you are attracted to him, but whether you respect him. Do you respect his choices? Not only what he is willing to do for the woman he loves, but what he's willing to do for his daughter, what he's willing to do for his friend. Make sure you like the man you're investing both your heart and your years in. And finally, I have to say, I think your letter dovetails nicely into episode 6, where I talk about making a moment and killing the moment. If you haven't listened to it, the first half is really about our tendency to invest all our imagination in making a moment with someone else. I mean, of course, life is sweeter when it's shared, but it's also stronger when it doesn't always have to be. In the episode, I talk about the significance of creating a moment for and with yourself. Your trip with your daughter to where you used to live when you were at the worst part in your life will feel safer if you feel like you have the man you love there with you, for sure. But if you only have yourself, it will feel monumental. 
When I went back to Boston, which is where I fell into a depression and an eating disorder that left me at 83 pounds, I went with a boyfriend and I was 25 pounds healthier. And you know what? I remember it being a trip that was more for him. Sure, I remember liking Boston a little bit more and the flowers looking nice in the spring and taking a picture of a father and a daughter that were kind of kissing on the cheek and it's the cutest picture that I'll probably ever take and it's the best picture really. And I remember that. And I remember the train going there and the train being nice. But other than that, the trip wasn't as reflective as it could have been. On the other hand, flying to Berlin by myself and staying for three nights with little more than a video camera is a trip I will never, ever, 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 ever forget. I had no idea what I was doing or where I was going or who I could talk to. In fact, I couldn't talk to a single soul. I had no idea what they were saying. But looking back, I realized that was the whole damn point. One night, I found my way back to my hotel room with a box of takeout Chinese food and wound up recording myself eating a meal that for eight years I had never allowed myself to eat. It was a quiet moment, a moment that most people would probably peered in on and been like, that's fucking depressing. I don't want to be a part of that. But I was a part of it. It was special for me. It was probably, yeah, it was pretty much only important and meaningful to me. And you know what? It never would have happened had anyone else been at my side. I just don't think I would have gone there. I wouldn't have made that video about overcoming my fear of food. I think back on that trip a decade later, and I admire who I was and what I was reaching for. I admire myself for being a bit weak and a bit lost and a little bit strong. Strong because I took myself to an uncomfortable place and created a moment for myself there that I needed to experience all on my own. Maybe you need to trust the world with this one. That your partner is backing off and turning this trip down for a reason. Maybe you won't realize it or even trust it until later, but maybe this trip is calling you and only you. If you wind up separating, the truth is you'll need to learn how to move through the world just your daughter and you. At the very worst, this trip can be you strengthening your muscles as well as your resolve. It can be prepping you for who you'll need to become. Go there. And if you need someone in your hand, you can always pick up your phone and dial me. Love, Chelsea. Thank you everyone for listening to that episode to this episode of the thank you heartbreak podcast and thank you so much to the woman that was brave enough to send in her story to me you know she called herself like stupid that this was so stupid when she was writing it and probably reading it back and and there's a lot of bravery for feeling that way about yourself and still pressing send still asking for help you're not stupid you're courageous and you're a lot like the rest of us. I mean, I hope that you felt that just from a little bit of my stories. I've totally been where you are. I can totally relate to it. I can relate to the desire to remain attached and to be just baffled and really let down by someone that they would even feel bored by that moment. They wouldn't recognize that you need them so much that it could be a moment to entertain you or just simply to love you. I've been there and I've been there and I've I've realized someone is that way That's how I really feel about them and yet I'm still desperate to have them with me because for whatever reason, I think that they're going to be the buffer that keeps me from feeling the moment in the way that I need to. For anyone that was listening to this and heard my questions that I was asking that I said that I would ask her if I was in a coaching session with her, I'm curious what type of questions you would ask. 
what questions came to you from her letter originally or when you were hearing my response. As always, if you have something that you want me to take up in a topic and talk about, or if you have a letter that you want to share with me, if you feel like this resonates or it might touch someone else, please send it to me, send it to them, share it with the world, share your heart. I really want this podcast to go beyond me, to go beyond my inner circle, to go beyond my family and friends, and I want it to reach people that I never would have met. This woman that wrote in is a woman I never would have met, and so I am thankful that she is helping me, you know, helping my dream come alive and is helping put me to work. You know, the reason that I was able to let go of relationships where I felt like I was breaking my own heart and they were breaking my heart and all that, but really that I was breaking my own heart and that I was just so weak. The reason that I've been able to leave those behind and get out sooner when I would know a relationship isn't working, even if I love that person, that was like my last relationship. I wasn't even breaking my own heart. I stopped the relationship before I broke my own heart. And the only reason I'm able to do that is because I have a situation like this. I have work like this. I have a platform I'm making like this. And people like you that write in help me be courageous. They keep the mission in mind they keep a level of you know of purpose i don't attach myself just to relationships to romance anymore because i have people like you that reach out and that are listening and that i can show like a real a real love and a selfless love for so thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to have that to feel this and you'll feel strong because you guys are bravely showing me where you feel weak. Thank you so much. And I also want to say a little cool thing that happened today is I ran out of all the space by three hours for my free storage with SoundCloud, which meant I had to upgrade unless I wanted to wait till next month to put out another episode, and I didn't want to. So I put the money in and I upgraded, which is exciting because it shows me that I am just ready for more. My voice is just warming up and I'm getting pumped. I'm loving it. It's awkward at times. It's, you know, I go into a trance, which is just perfect. Every time I just jump on the mic, I'm happy to actually be in this moment and it's a humbling moment afterwards when I listen to it back and I'm learning, I'm loving, I'm learning, I'm loving, I'm learning and thank you for loving and learning with me. Until next time, I'm always, always rooting for you. To get in touch with the podcast further, you can reach me on Instagram at thankyouheartbreak and from my coaching website, reach me at breakupward.com. Bye guys.